Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water of the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Good morning. I wanted to uh, share a picture with you that I found, a story that happened recently, of a house in Cambodia. And... If you can't recognize right up front, this is only half a house. A couple in Cambodia, the husband, was fed up with his wife of 18 years. And he wanted nothing more to do with the marriage. And he wanted to make sure he got his fair share out of the deal. So he took a chainsaw to his house and he cut it straight down the middle and took his part over to his relatives and basically just down the street. God hates divorce. It grieves him. God, from the beginning of time, has arranged, set up from the foundations, beautiful marriage. It was his intention. That, as the end of this passage in Ephesians 5 says, that the two shall become one, that they would be Glued together, heart, soul, their spirit, and that they would rejoice in the Lord together and have beautiful life, trusting in God, that their marriage would be a blessing, that their marriage would reflect Christ and his love for the church. This morning, again, we're going to finish up our series in marriage out of Ephesians. And the question we have to ask is, how do we 
keep these beautiful marriages together, how do we have what God intended for us? What is it that the Lord is asking of us as we choose to covenant with our spouse? What does the Lord desire for us? Now, one of the things that we need to look at is let us go in 518 and begin there. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. As he's speaking to the church and as he's speaking about how to have life in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I want you to be ones who aren't filled up with a bunch of alcohol, but I want you to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. That He has sent His Holy Spirit that the Gospels remind us of. He says, Jesus says, better that I go so that you would receive the Spirit. The Comforter, the Paraclete, the one who walks by our side. And that our lifestyles as we as we try to love each other in the body, and as we try to love each other in marriage, the calling upon us is that we would be filled with the Spirit of Christ. We would be filled with this Holy Spirit that would empower us to love. And I think part of that is that we are attentive as people, as followers of Jesus Christ, to what He is asking of us. We are attentive to His Word. We are attentive to what He is asking us to follow in. When you wake up in the morning saying, Father, what is it you have for me today? I want to hear from you. It isn't about just your agenda as you get up in the morning and hopefully God fits in there somewhere. Be filled with the Spirit. We need it. We cannot continue to function as followers of Christ without the Lord's filling in us and it's a receiving of Him. It's not our demanding spirit or our spirit that thinks that we're in control. He says this, he says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. And as he begins in this uh, passage of where we get into the wives and husbands, I want you to notice verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to each other in this body of Christ. Be willing to serve each other that the calling is on all of us, that we have an attitude of, of servanthood, an attitude of placing ourselves under, where pride and ego is put aside. And so as we enter into this passage that a lot of people start at verse 22, we cannot miss verse 21. And if, if, if the Lord is asking us as a body to submit to one another, how much more so in our marriages, to the one who is our oneness, to the one that we are blessed with in this covenant. Philippians 2 reminds us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of servant, 
And that's the attitude that we should have as we enter into marriage. We don't consider ourselves better than. We submit to each other. We are filled with the Spirit because that's the only way that we can love one another. Because we are so selfish. He says, I want you to dive into and enjoy this beautiful marriage of mutual submission to one another. And yet at the same time as God created marriage and as he gave us the gift and as many of us have covenanted in marriage, there is order and there are roles that are in marriage. But it's all in light of, as we went through Genesis 2, it's in light of the foundation of how God created it. Remember in Genesis, he says, I created them in the image of God, male and female. I created male, female, equal. I created them both in the image of God. One is not better than the other. This is how I created humanity. And so as we enter into marriage, we enter in with an understanding that both of us in the image of God. As we looked at the beautiful idea of a helpmate, one who, in the, in the Hebrew, called Azer, the one who is strong and yet is one who comes by our side, one who helps us in situations where, honestly, sometimes we cannot help ourselves, one who is our refuge. Again, it's never a doormat. It's never lesser than. It's this beautiful image. And if you remember with me, 33 times in the Old Testament, almost every time used of God and His character. So when we dive into this morning and we dive into words like submission and we dive into words like headship, we have to take it with all of the foundation of how God created marriage. That those words are never used for either party, one who is less, one who is not same and, and viewed as beautiful in the image of God. Okay? Because again, I get this chapter that has all these words that again the world has destroyed. <clears throat> and, and, and when you hear the words, they do, they automatically kind of have a sour taste to them. But how can we have beautiful, spirit-filled marriages? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Well, what is submission? Let me just give you a little Greek. Hupo, under, tasso, hupotasso, with order. Under, with order. It's the idea, again, of, of being placed under in an orderly fashion. And it really has a, it has a military idea of going into battle to be lined up and ready to go into war. That there's order as we go into battle. That there are those who are placed under, willingly place themselves under to fight. And I love that image because when I think of our marriages, I think that's the view we need to have that we are going through this life side by side and we are in an incredible battle that just rages against marriage in general, that makes mockery of it, that gives it no value, 
Everything that we're seeing today goes against marriage. What a waste of time. We love each other. Good enough. Why bother with a covenant? Everything on TV, again, is, is just a mockery of it. And so there is a battle that we face as husband and wife to establish and to love each other in the covenant of God that we would reflect the image of Christ who says, I want this image of marriage to be known as, as Christ, the bridegroom, loves the church, you and me. Did you think your marriage was just for yourself? You know, one of the ways in the song, the hands and feet that go out, one of the ways that we do that in marriage is we reflect the image of Christ in the way that you and your spouse love one another. And people go, whoa, that is so different from everything I have seen and or know. What is it about you and your life together? And you say, it's Christ. And it's covenant. And it's commitment. And it's a love that is sacrificing and giving. And God has placed order in it. And God has made it to be beautiful, and we have destroyed a lot of that beauty. Hupatasso, wives, place yourselves under in a willing submission. Even the way that's used in the Greek is, a, is in the middle voice, and it's in a present tense, which, which means it's an ongoing placement. I willingly, because of my relationship with Christ, I willingly place myself under the headship of my husband as we journey through life together. And that is never a term that is lesser value. We see the first time in the New Testament in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 39, the term of hupotasso. And it's with our Lord Jesus. And he said to them, why is it that you're looking for me? Did you not know that, as, that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which me, he had made to them. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he continued in subjection, in hupotasso, to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom. I want you to realize something, wives, that as you live out your lives in marriage, in hupotasso, you live as the Lord Jesus Christ lived while he dwelt on earth. In subjection, willingly placing himself under his mother and father and in subjection to God the Father. That's how he lived. And so when you live like this, you live like Jesus and you most reflect his character. Jesus was never less than. The struggle is when we look at these verses and we see wives submit to your husbands, and even as a husband, I want you to know as I teach about these things, it, it just has a, just kind of again has a sour taste to it. It's hard as a man to say, hey, 
submit when, again, the world has just placed that in such an ugly light. And because, honestly, we've destroyed it, and there's been a lot of men throughout the generations who have taken that to dominate and to hurt and to wound. It's never meant to be. The struggle for wives... And the wrestling is, well, Lord, I'm supposed to submit. And yet here's some of the realities. You're much smarter than your husbands, some of you. Truly. Or you know the Bible a lot better than your husband does. Maybe he's a newer believer. You have more experience in in church life. Again, you have lots of talents. Maybe you're more outgoing and all of these things. You have all these, these wonderful gifts that in a sense are, are very, they're full of leadership. And you go, oh, but I'm supposed to submit? And that's a struggle. And it's never based on those qualifications. A lot of you wives have a lot more biblical knowledge than your husbands. Thank God for that. You're still called to submit to your husband. To place yourself under, again, to be an or one who comes by his side, and, and together you're in the Word of God. The wrestling is, is, again, to place ourselves under, and yet you need to look, it says, and do this as, as to the Lord, because we're followers of Christ, and when we follow Christ, and we recognize how Christ submitted And you go, Christ, Jesus, creator of the world, God of the universe, subjected himself to this humble Jewish family. God knew it all. Jesus, much better in the scriptures than his mom and dad. But he chose because of the order of God and how he had it. This is my role for you, Jesus. This is the role in marriage. And wives, again, I think one of the wrestlings in your heart that is going to be is, is, Lord, help me. Help me to understand your heart of submission. I struggle against it when I feel like I am either better than or I know more. And he's calling us to to live in relationship with husbands, both following the Lord, but with roles. A wife who, again, is no less in value, but who helps, and both moving closer to Christ in the way of order in the family. It doesn't take away again. There's an interesting word where in Ephesians 6 it says, Children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. And sometimes to understand uh, submission, hupotasso, we have to figure out what it's not. It is not obedience to your husbands. There's a word called, it's hupakuo, and that is obedience. That's what we see with children. That's what we see with slaves and masters. I want you to submit, I want you to obey, hupakuo, your masters, your bosses. 
Children, obey your parents. Subject yourselves to your parents, but it's a different... Again, it's used in the form of pupakuo, which is, it's a requirement, but it's a lesser class to an authority, a higher class. Children, you're not adults yet. Respond to your parents. Slaves, you are to respond to your bosses. That is right before the Lord. You'll never find in the scriptures that term hupakuo for the wife, ever. I think that's significant. It's never, you just need to do what I say, honey, and that's the way it is. And so you're supposed to follow out of obedience or my demanding husband. Hupatasso, I willingly want to submit to your leadership for our family. Because God has brought us together. Again, I'm not an individual anymore. I'm in a family. And there is structure. I like the way that Wayne Barber puts it. Hupatasso is a word that is used for wives to husbands. It's a word that talks about two people who are absolutely equal in God's eyes. Totally equal. There's not one level of inferiority one to the other. But the wife makes the choice to place herself as an equal underneath another equal, her husband. In order that there can be order and function in the family. The whole purpose of it is so that it meets the design that God has already ordered. Why should we submit? Wives, why should you submit to your husbands? Because the reality is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is leading you, and the Spirit is calling you in this this creation of marriage to live as Christ lived. That there is an order in the family, there is authority, there is this beautiful leadership of husband, headship, that we'll look at in a second. And it's what God asks of us. And if you're saying, I want to follow Christ, then in submission to Christ and as to the Lord, you live in obedience to Him. And Jackson talked last week about what do you do in the middle of a... I mean, some, sometimes you have difficult, challenging husbands who aren't seeking out Christ. And that really is a surrender, I know. But do we want beautiful marriage? then we continue to move in a way in obedience to Christ. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And you begin again to recognize that I am filled with the Spirit. I am filled with Christ. I am no longer living myself. It is Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20 And again, women, one of the areas that this will always be a wrestling for you is in this area of submission because from the fall... In Genesis 3, your desire will be for your husband. You will want to take over because your husband's going to mess up. And that drives you crazy. And so you say, listen, a husband doesn't have it together. And so this, this part of us in our flesh, and this will always be the case, women, this will be your wrestle. This comes from the fall out of Genesis 3.16. You will always be struggling with this. That's part of hupatasa, which is, oh, my husband isn't doing it right. 
But God has asked me to place myself and to, to learn to trust and learn to trust the Lord that he's doing his work in my husband. Genesis 4-7, we see the same word as God is speaking to Cain. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. Sin is crouching at the door and it desires to take over your life. But you must master it. Wives, this will be the sin that will be crouching at your door. Truly. All of your lives in marriage. But because you are filled with the Spirit, you can say, I am trusting God to do what He is doing in our relationship together. I am coming alongside my husband and helping him to be the man of God that he's intended to be. I'm trusting God when things aren't going quite the way I think they should. I'm speaking into my husband's life because God wants me to be that helpmate. But I will not take over because that is really of my flesh. You know, I was thinking of husbands, and I was thinking, well, what is it the struggle, and why is it that hupotasso to submit has become so hard for wives? And I was thinking, you know, that we, we will toil in our work as part of this fall. I thought, you know what, one of the things, again, I think that's a constant wrestling for men is that we want to control things, and we want to have purpose and value. And we want to do well at our work. And so when we constantly have struggle at our work, and we don't have control or we lose control, I think the struggle in our flesh is somehow I need to control my wife. I need to have authority and control somewhere. I've lost it in work. And so I think the creeping in for husbands is, this isn't working well for me. My, my desire to lead... My desire to have things in control, it's not at work, and so I take it to the home. And you try to apply these principles to your wife, and it's nothing but damaging, it's nothing but sin. And so, again, wives from the fall, we have this desire for the husband to take over. And God is saying, would you trust me in your marriage? Trust me in my work with your husband. I want you to be wives who submit as to the Lord because you're lovers of the Lord. Why? Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Well, what is headship? Again, another good word I get to throw out at you guys. Submission, headship, all these fantastic deals. Well, if you look it up, it means to be head of persons or the master or the Lord or authority. Some have claimed that it means source. Headship means source. You know, Adam, out of Adam came Eve, so he's the source of Eve. Some say it refers, if we look at Christ, and we say that Christ is the 
the source of the church. And that makes sense. And it can be used as source in some areas. But the other part of that, and I don't want you to miss this when you talk about headship, is that in relationship with one another, human relationship, and especially in marriage, you won't find the term source or headship where there isn't authority attached to that. Does that make sense? You won't find, well, he's just the source. Well, Christ is the source of the church, but he's also the leader and the authority, the one that we follow. In all types of Greek writings, you'll see those who are the source of, especially in like Zeus and things of that nature, he's the source of all the other gods, but he's also the authority. He's the leader. And so this is where God has given responsibility to the husband. This is where God has established roles in marriage. I want you wives to submit to your husbands as to the church because he is the head. I placed that. I arranged that. Rod Ritchie did not arrange that. Mark Fisher didn't arrange that. God arranged that. Don't get upset with me. (laughs) He has structure in the family. And he says, I want you to submit because I have placed this authority with you. But it's, it's God-given. It's what I intended for your marriage. It allows beautiful marriage. Matthew 5.36 says, Don't you swear by your head, by your authority, because you can't make one hair on your head white. You can't make it grow or be black. Well, what does headship and submission look like? What, is it, what does it play out? like in our lives. I've heard this as I do a lot of premarital counseling and I do a lot of marriage counseling. Well, as headship, as one who is called to be head of my family, that means that I make the final decision. Well, maybe. If that's what you and your wife have agreed upon. Maybe. But let's say this. Let's say all of a sudden you, you come to your wife and you say, Hey, I feel like God is calling me to go to Alaska. Let's pack up and move to Alaska. God is really moving in my heart. And you as wife hear that. And, and you are just absolutely on the polar opposite of that thinking. You as husband, this is where you need to wrestle before the Lord. And you go, you know what? God has called me to to love my wife, to be head of my wife. And my oneness, my oneness is on an absolute other planet than I am in this thinking which I believe is from God. Maybe I need to pray some more. I don't think God typically works in that way, honestly. He's created you to be one. You are starting more and more to draw closer together in the Lord, to to hear the heart of God together. And so when you come together with issues, with matters at hand, it, it seems odd to me that your oneness would be at a whole other planet. 
Now listen, she can get there. She can get there out of fear. Maybe some selfishness in her own self. She's happy and content where she's at. And so maybe her choice is, is, to be honest, sinful or selfish. That's part of the wrestling as husband and wife. But here's what I think submission and headship looks like. And this is, this is honestly, it's been pretty rare in my marriage uh, that, that we ever get to a place where uh, I'm truly calling my wife uh, to a place where I'm asking her to submit to what I think God is doing. But I think it might look like this. If, if a matter is brought to the table, let's say your husband, let's say your husband is saying, hey, uh, I, I want to make some decisions regarding our children. This is what I'd like to do. I think this would be better training for them. Or they're maybe wanting to make a business move that's pretty severe, a different change in job. Maybe some, as some men have said, I want to go into ministry. You know, I want to move there. And if you, if you come together and you, you share with your wife your heart, and as you share your life with her, and she hears you and she gives you her input, this is the way marriage should work, guys, okay? In case you're missing this part. You bring these things to your bride. You share your heart with her. You hear her heart in these matters. And let's just say after much prayer and dialogue between one another, that you as husbands still feel, I really feel like God is calling us this direction. These are the times that I think as wife, that you say, you know what? I know you've heard me. And so I choose, because I am a follower of Christ and I serve Him, I choose to willingly place myself under your headship. And I'm going to allow you to be head of our home and lead us. That, I think, is a godly process. That, I think, is a heart for each other. That makes it very nice and easier for our wives to want to submit to us. But wives, allow your husbands sometimes to lead in that area. If you don't agree... He's heard you. Don't keep fighting against. Because remember, that desire will creep in. And I will take over. I don't think this is going to be the best outcome. I'm going to take over. You know what wives long to long for? And <clears throat> even the word female means this. means to be entered into. Wives long for this beautiful intimacy. And husbands actually long for that too. But wives really long for their husbands to know them at this deep level. That's why it's so beautiful to watch women when they engage with each other in conversations. Like, they just go deep real quick. It's hard for guys to do that. And so, wives love that and long for that. Let me just share something with you, dear wives. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on, I, I get to teach the next three weeks, so I'm going to finish up husbands next week better. I have a lot on husbands. <laughs> but here's the deal. You know, this is important. I, I just, I'll just apologize, too, for, for just timing on this. But here's the deal with these passages. We, we just have a lot of marriages that just need, you know, are going through work. And sometimes, you know, we, try to, we want to do these passages to, um, 
you know, let's get a spark going. Let's let's hopefully get some conversation uh, going on. But I just beg of this body, uh, truly, that we are really asking the Lord to minister to us about our marriages. It grieves us as shepherds of this church when marriages are just giving up. It grieves us when you guys are killing each other. And, you know, trust me, I've been in the boat. When we're wounding each other because of our selfishness. Because we're not hearing from God and what he's asked of us. And sometimes when I get these passages, I'm just like, how do you give this to the body in a way that's healthy and not just, let's just get through the verses. So I'm going to take a little more time next week. But let me wrap up with this, beautiful wives. When you willingly place yourself under, and you do that in the Lord, and your husband steps up and leads, and he makes a decision and he moves towards something because he really feels God is calling him towards that, and he fails, and he fails. When it turns out to be a mess, This beautiful woman is where you need to guard your tongues in a great way. Where those words of I told you so need to just be stuffed deep. Where those words of criticism and attack need to be stored. You long for intimacy with your husband, and yet when he fails, you do attack upon him, He will never want to engage with you again in the way that he did of processing through with you some decisions. If he fails and the outcome is, I get nothing but I told you so, an attack and criticism. He needs an azer. He needs one to come by his side and say, honey, this has got to be hard. I know you thought this was where God was taking us. Let's just entrust it now to God and see where he's moving us. I've seen so many men just never engage anymore with their brides because they feel like they get nothing but attack from them because they do fail at times. Actually, they fail a lot. God wants beautiful marriage, beautiful marriage. Next week, we get into husbands loving wives. Big challenge. Love as Christ loved the church. That reflection of marriage is to be that. So we're going to take communion this morning. And we're going to do it in this beautiful remembrance of of loving as Christ loved the church. This image of marriage, again, is how God arranged for us to view him, the bridegroom and the bride. So let's take communion together as we remember that. Out of uh, Hebrews 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. And although he was son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Christ's body.
broken for us. Father, thank you for loving us to the end. That you did take the cup. That your blood was shed for us. Thank you, Father, for life in you because you rose again and you are the resurrection and the life. Christ's blood shed for us.